It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside of Mike Evans. And got to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Superbook. America's Best Bet. Check it out. Superbook. And then, obviously, uh, we're going to do a question mark today with our great friends over at Sweet Sweat for all your exercise needs, for all your supplement needs. Sweet Sweat, great way to go. Got the uh, bands and the belts and uh, the vitamins and the whole nine yards for my folks at Sweet Sweat. $75 gift bag coming your way for the question that we deem worthy so um sweetsweat.com for all your information oh by the way um just to follow up on last week's our picks um because you know i mean god you're such a sore loser i wouldn't wouldn't i i mean i want to be you know i want to keep us you know squared away here on the uh, whole pick thing right because you know it's important uh accuracy and all these things so um We'll have to get Scott DeHuff producing the show. We'll have to get him on this. So you were 21, 23, and 3 going into the weekend. Okay? Uh, you went 1 and 2. So you're 22, 25, and 3. Write 22, that down. Write it down. 22, 25, and 3. And 3. I, on the other hand, went 2 and 1. So I am 24 and 26. So who has the better winning percentage? Would be me, obviously. I have the better winning percentage. Well, the Huff will okay. We'll calculate get the Huff on that. And then, God, that is such a you are such a sore loser. Just the mere fact that I had inched ahead of you last week, you couldn't wait. I mean, I don't think you were like two minutes done with your broadcast on Sunday, and you're texting me going, "I went two and one. You went one and two. <laughs> I'm like, you, uh, you I'm don't like, think I was I'm checking like, it out I'm during like, the broadcast? I'm like, what a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanted to have. I just wanted to have two things. I want to have the end. By the way, both of us suck. Yeah, but right. I just wanted to have. I, in the end, it doesn't matter that I. I just wanted to suck less than you, uh-huh. and I wanted to have the regular season. Victory. Oh, great! Now the reg- start- oh, is that? Are you hang banners for regular season uh, titles? I get into the playoffs. Uh-huh. And we're both. No, let's but see we what, both got in the let's playoffs. Let's see who. Let's, let's see who wins. The only the- reason you got in the playoffs is because they went with an expanded format. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let, let's see. Yeah. Well, let's see after these playoffs are over. We'll see who's hanging the banner. Okay. Okay. All we'll right. see. We'll still, see. Still a lot of games left to be played, my friend. I know. Which which means before. By the way, before we get to the the, the playoffs, and, and everyone loves the playoffs, and the wild card weekend's even bigger this this year with six games. Um, Winning right. percentage update? Uh, yeah, percentage update. Uh, my winning percentage is uh, 47%. Yours at 48 So you've <laughs> inched ahead. Ass kicking! I demand a recount! Uh, Don't right. steal this from me. Yeah, all right, uh, But before we move on to the playoffs, all right. um, some, some of the leftovers from the regular season last week of the season, what did you make of the Doug Peterson show oh, in Philly? Oh, my gosh. You know, we are probably we are probably as qualified as anybody to talk about what went down in Philadelphia. And the reason, Mike, is because we had somewhat of a similar situation here in Denver in 2016. So, hey, first off, let me just preface this by saying, my gut tells me, one, Doug Peterson said at some point they wanted to see Nate Sutfeld play. You've had him since 2017. You've seen him play. You know what he is. Wouldn't you rather have your quarterback, Jalen Hurts, be in a 
pressure pack. I know he didn't play well up until that point, but wouldn't you rather have him in a pressure pack situation to see if he can lead his team to victory? Like Jalen Hurts happens to be one of my favorite players of all time because of the national championship in which he got benched. So let me take you back to that Alabama, I think it was the Alabama-Georgia game. So Jalen Hurts has a horrible first half. Understand that he was 25-2 and as a starter at Alabama. Has a horrible first half. They bench him at halftime. They bring in true freshman, Tua, Tongue of Iowa. He drives them down. They score a touchdown. And I think it's now it's 13-7 or whatever. The first guy sprinting down the football field to congratulate Tua is Jalen Hurts. Now think about this, Mike. He got benched. He's 25-2. and two. He understands after this freshman who was highly touted comes in and leads them to a touchdown, he's probably never playing at Alabama again. He understands. like, And it's one of the things I love about football. I mean, go back and watch it. One of the things I love about football is you're sitting there having this recollection and having this understanding that you're probably never going to play there again. Your career as an Alabama player is is over. You're going to have to transfer. And you're celebrating the guy's, the guy's accomplishment who just replaced you like it was your own. I can win with that guy. I want that guy on my football team. So you benched him to bring in Nate Sutfield because since 2017 he's been on your roster and you're not quite sure who he is? Give me a freaking break. So that to me is the organization basically saying, hey, this is what you're going to do as a head coach. And the thing that's disappointing for me, Doug Peterson said okay. So the reason that you and I are probably more versed to talk about this than anybody else, in 2016, we were here in Denver. It was Gary Kubiak's last year. Denver drafted a quarterback named Paxton Lynch who wasn't worth a squirt of piss. And the organization said, hey, Gary, you're going to play Paxton Lynch in this last game of the season against the Oakland Raiders. And Gary said, okay. And then he went into the game and said, F you. I ain't playing Jack. And he went the whole game with Trevor Simeon. I believe they won that game. Yeah, the plan was to start Simeon and then play Lynch the second half. Right. But they were up, I think they were pretty big at the half. And he said, screw it. This is going to be my last game. I want to go out with a win. And he stayed with Simeon at quarterback, right. and they won. And they wanted to see Paxton Lynch play. This, to me, is you're asking every one of your players to sacrifice his well-being, his health, to go out there, everybody's beat up, everybody's injured. You're asking Travis, or, or excuse me, Jason Kelsey, whose elbow hyperextent, probably going to need surgery on it, to go out there and sacrifice and and do what he does. You're asking every guy on that roster to do that, and then you put in a quarterback who doesn't give you a chance to win. And you're the head coach, and you're supposed to be the leader of men, and the organization. I can only imagine it's the organization that we're going to do this. And you just rolled over. I it just the the it just it bothers me, man. It. But why would player, the organization? Would why would the organization order that? Because they moved up X number of drafts. Okay, so this was the reason why they just wanted to improve their draft position. I, that's the only thing I could think okay. of. 
Well, all right, but is, Which is to that me is asinine? Well, we but teams do it all the time now. I mean, look at the NBA; teams go to great lengths to tank. NHL, baseball, everybody's tanking now. It's just not the it. it to me, this is just not the sport, man. And, and by the way, hey, man, fifty percent of fifty percent of the first round draft choices are going to fail anyhow. You know, people think, oh, we move up in the draft. Okay, so we go from the potential of being nine to the potential, I think they moved up to like five or whatever they moved up to, right? So you can wheel and deal and you can go up and get your next quarterback. Oh, by the way, you had the number two overall quarterback in the draft and and uh, right now it looks like he's a failure. Right, he's not going to play for you. Maybe he's not going to play for you anymore. Um, I mean, can we go through all the, hey, Blake Bortles was top five pick. How'd that work out? Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston went one and two overall. How's that working out? They're both backups. Winston's a third-teamer. I mean, we can go through the draft of all these quarterbacks who have been overdrafted that haven't panned out. I just think, I honestly think it's it's interesting. So I did Carolina last game of the season. And I'm talking to Matt Rule. And Matt Rule is talking about winning in December. And they had won a game the week before, and you know they're playing the New Orleans Saints, and the importance of winning in December to jumpstart your offseason and to create some excitement and to build your culture. And Matt Rule said something to me that was very poignant. He said, never in my life have I ever seen a situation where somebody failed their way to success. You don't go, oh, let me let me lose three let me let me lose a game and gain three spots in the draft so then I can have some success. Then I can get the player that changes the culture. Your culture is shit. Like think think about what your I don't know that I don't know that uh Trevor but what, Lawrence But what ultimately though turns around a culture though? It it doesn't talent? I mean, doesn't the presence of great players turn around your culture and if you can improve your draft position by a few spots maybe that is the difference you like you you've you've told me many times that that really once you get to you know 15 to 18 top picks in the draft then you're you're you really there's no difference between pick 19 and whatever you're going to get on through the second round mm-hmm. so if there is that point where there, there is a drop-off, if you can improve your draft position to ensure that you're going to get one of those players that everybody agrees has a one of those rare first-round grades, shouldn't you do what's necessary? Here's what I would tell you, and I go back to just what I know and the way I grew up in this league. Great talent makes plays in the first three quarters. Great character wins games in the fourth. Joe Gibbs. I want great character players. That's that's what I want. And so, I mean, I want a guy to be a great player, but I want him to have I want him to be intrinsically motivated. I want him to have great character. I want him to to care more about the team than he cares about himself. And here's the I think here's the most interesting factor, Mike, and you tell me. So, Trevor Lawrence. Everybody thinks Trevor Lawrence is going to be the you know, the the next 
coming of the next great thing. You know? Best prospect since Andrew Luck, and before that, right. Peyton Manning, and before that, John Elway. Right. By the way, you know, I mean, how'd that draft? Andrew Luck, second pick overall, RG3. RG3 is a backup, Andrew Luck retired. Here's here's what I, I think. Maybe he could be great. He could be. I have no idea. I don't know. Nobody does. Maybe he'll be great. But think about what you're going to ask him to do. All right, so we're assuming that Jacksonville is going to take him number one overall. Hey, Trevor, we're a screwed-up organization. Shotgun right now, they don't have a general manager. Shotgun, the owner, is is taking over. He said in 2020 when they fired Dave Caldwell, I think it's Dave Caldwell, was their general manager. He's taking over personnel decisions. The owner, who made his fortune creating bumpers. He's going to, I'll be in charge of the personnel. Right? And and so, and, and I know firsthand because I was there calling games, not this year, but the last couple of years I've called games there, how dysfunctional the organization is in dire straits from a dysfunction standpoint. Right? In a market in which, come on, guys don't really want to go to Jacksonville. I'm just being fair. Sorry, Jacksonville. I'm just, right now, that's where you are, okay? That's it's just being honest. And now I'm going to hire, I'm going to draft Trevor Lawrence and say, hey, uh, come in and change my culture. Come in and be quarterback and change the culture of this organization. I just, there's, there's a few guys that can do it, Mike. Mm-hmm. But that is a lot. I mean, Peyton thing- Manning did it here in Denver when he showed up. Right. Changed it overnight. Changed but, the culture. But that's Peyton Manning. And he had and he had the gravitas exactly. from years of exactly. being in Indianapolis. Exactly. I I just I just think it's a it's I think it's a really tall task and a very tall order to ask somebody to be able to do that. And and it's just um I mean I, I just like be careful. Before we get to question mark, just take a look. We'll dive deeper into these matchups a little bit later on in the week. Mm-hmm. But Starting in the AFC, just kind of quick bullet points. How, how, do, how, do you, how do you handicap the AFC? I think right now there's nobody playing better than Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is very intriguing. Did a Buffalo game a couple weeks ago. Um, I really like, obviously, what Josh Allen is doing. I really like Brian Dable is their their coordinator on the offense. I love McDermott, too. McDermott is a, you know, is a fiery dude. Um, I think the only thing that Buffalo lacks is a legitimate war daddy on defense. Like that one dude that that's a pass rusher that you have to say, how the hell are we going to block that guy? They don't have him. And now I think their linebacking level is really good. I think their secondary is outstanding. I think the two safeties are outstanding. I think um, Tredavious White is one of the top cover corners. He's a, he's a matchup guy, can follow him. Anybody all over the field, he's really good. He gives them flexibility where they can lock him on one side and they can rotate. They can play a too high safety look, you know, on a like a three by one formation, and that safety on the opposite side, if they're like into the boundary, that safety can kind of cut across the formation, double team people because White is so good on one side that they can lock that up. So there's a lot of, he affords you a lot of opportunities to be creative on the defensive side of the ball. They're good there. Brian Dable was like, you don't like he just understands what makes you a good offense is when you can throw it when everybody knows you're going to throw it 
or when you can run it when everybody knows you're going to run it. And it was interesting because I think I, I totally agree with him. At the end of the Pittsburgh game, they they threw it a bunch. You know, they didn't run it very well. During the course of the game, they didn't run it very well. And then I think they had a seven-minute drive where they did nothing but run it at the end of the game to close out the game, and Pittsburgh never touched the ball again. It was something like that. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, right? Everybody in the bro- everybody in their brother's uncle knows you're going to run it. Guess what? And we can still run it down your throat. That's when I know you're a good team. They're a really good team. Josh Allen, especially the last six weeks of the season, has played an MVP level. Um, he should be in the conversation. I think it, I, I think really it should go Aaron Rodgers, him, and then Patrick Mahomes. All right. Speaking of Mahomes, do you see some red flags with the Chiefs? Here, here would be my concern. <clears throat> here would be my concern. Rhythm on offense is real. And I believe that rhythm on offense matters less when you really know how to and want to run the ball. Andy Reid does not want to run the ball. He has no desire at all to run the ball. And rhythm sometimes is hard when you have a week off to get back into a rhythm throwing the football. Sometimes the best way to get into a rhythm throwing the football is by cramming it down somebody's throat, making them jump up, play action, da-da-da-da-da. Now I throw it over the top. So I worry about the rhythm, the rhythm, the rhythmic nature of their offense coming out of a bye week. Two weeks. They'll have been off two weeks. Yeah. Your, your rhythm theory is going to be tested for so two weeks. So that scares me for them. They do happen to have <laughs> a unicorn at quarterback mm-hmm. who poops orange sherbet. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. But I, I, how many times did a Peyton Manning Colts team wrap up their division early? Yeah. Rest. And have get, the bye. And then get beat. And then get beat. Yeah. It happened on multiple occasions. Happened to me once. 96. Yeah. Yes. Now we rested not because, not as much because of we just wanted to rest guys. It was because of injury mm-hmm. stuff. You know, we got guys having surgery. Gary Zimmerman had a shoulder surgery. I had a knee surgery. Elway. I think Elway had a hamstring at the time or something that was bothering him. Um, TD had a, I don't know if it was a shoulder or what. It would TD. But, but you got upset by Jacksonville. Yeah. And and you're saying you guys never, you lost that rhythm. Yeah, it just was off. It was just, yeah. it was just the entirety of the game. It was just off. Team in the AFC that w- would be considered a dark horse, but it wouldn't surprise you if they ended up. Tennessee. Really? See, I was going to go Baltimore. I, I think Baltimore's got some serious yeah, mojo going right now. That and they're and they're after starting the season as a major favorite mm-hmm. and then it's kind of falling off the radar. I think they've been able to sort of operate in the weeds lately. They're looking pretty good. I want to see. I yeah, I agree with you on that. But I want to see. I want to see that quarterback win in the playoffs. Hadn't done it yet. And perform. In the, he hasn't performed in the playoffs. Yep, 0-2. Um, the reason I say, I mean, think about this. King Henry needs 220-some yards to go over 2,000 in a game that matters in the last game of the season. And he gets it? He gets it. <laughs> Holy shnikes, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I will. I will tell you this, Mike. 
Like, you want to talk about going in your study and putting a tie on the doorknob? <laughs> Closing the blinds? Closing the blinds. <laughs> putting a sign, don't come in here. <laughs> um, you watch Tennessee operate. Yeah. You watch, There's two guys. Kid by the name of Davis is a second-year player at right guard. I think his name is Davis. I don't know his first name. 64. And Roger Saffold. They're two guards. They are mauling people. I mean mauling people. And what they do for that offense in play action, the way they run the ball, it is, um, I tell you what, it's beautiful. It is, it's, it's, you know, back in my day in Washington, watching the Hogs and Russ Grimm come off the ball or my days here in Denver with Gary Zimmerman and Tommy Nalen and Terrell Davis. It is, it is a thing of beauty. Be- I'm, I'm you doing, love that stuff. Oh, shoot. I'm doing, as a matter of fact, I'm prepping. What was I prepping for? Was I prepping for the Detroit game and they had played? Um Tennessee and I'm you know I shoot videos for my crew like this is what I'm looking at this is what I'm looking at I've got literally in my phone I can show you I've got like three or four videos that I shot of Roger Saffold <laughs> oh, you are I'm like oh my god and then I realized you're literally I the done... only guy on the planet who's doing this yeah and I got and I got it's, it's funny because I got going I, and then I looked and I go wait a minute I'm not covering Tennessee this yeah, week yeah <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. When it comes to outstanding running games and offensive line play, Mark likes watching that like most people like watching porn. Okay? It, it's O-line it, porn, it's, man. It's, it's O-line the, porn. It's the best thing uh, in the world. NFC. NFC. Uh, that, that That's an intriguing mix, too. Can, can you, without a doubt, say who the favorite is? No. I Like, Green Bay, obviously, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, Mike, but they've got defensive – they've got some defensive issues. They they um, they have not been great on the defensive side of the ball, and they've kept teams in it occasionally. So, offensively, they also lost – they also lost one of the best players in football in Dave Bakhtiari. Tore a freak, freak knee injury in practice. Um so that hurts them. Um, but Aaron's playing at such an incredibly high level. Um, it'll be interesting to see if and when New Orleans gets all their players back. I mean, they've been doing this here offensively. It's been piecemeal, right? Drew Brees has been out with the ribs. Uh, Michael Thomas hasn't played. He's been out on IR. Um, obviously, their whole running back room got uh, – COVID, so they should, I mean, as long as Latavius Murray doesn't test positive. He was out. Uh, Burton was out, their fullback. Um, Washington, their backup running back was out, all because of contact tracing because they had been close to Alvin Kamara, but nobody had, as of Sunday, nobody had tested positive. So they should get at least those guys back. I don't think they'll get Kamara back for this first playoff game. Because he tested positive, so I think you've got to be out 10 days or something. Um, But, like, if they get all their players back, and I'm telling you, um, that's probably the, of all the teams I covered this year, that was probably the deepest, most talented roster. 
What do you make of Tampa and their late resurgence? Tom Brady, you know, guy is just. Tom Brady, at age 43, with all the talk after last year that, you know, hey, maybe this guy is slipping. Mark, he finishes the season 4,600 yards passing, 66% completion, 40 touchdowns, 12 picks. So it's, Last um, three weeks of the season, 10 touchdowns to one pick. Oh, by the way, he only played the first half of that Detroit game that I called. Correct. Correct. He I would mean, have put up. He'd put no, up another three, four oh, touchdowns. They, they could have named their score that day. Um, what about them? I think a couple of interesting things that have happened. They are, they are operating as an offense right now. I think there's two things that have happened. He and Bruce Arians have found kind of their rhythm, and I think it's morphed more into what Tom Brady feels comfortable with. So. Tom has always been a pre-snap, let's motion, let's shift, and let's find out, let's let's read, you know, let's read the mail. Let's make sure that I know what the coverage is, who they've got, all that kind of thing. Where Bruce has always been post-snap. I'd rather line up static and then read out middle linebackers and safeties, you know, during the during the process. And then off of that, understand where to throw the football to. So I think they have come to a little bit more of which a good coach is going to do. You're you're going to acquiesce to what the quarterback feels most comfortable in. So I think there's been a um, there just been an, an amalgamation of the two philosophies to to make sure that they're on the same page. I think that took time, and I think there was some headbutting that went on along the way, um, which is healthy. That's part of you know that's part of what you do as an organization, right? So I think that was. I think that was a big part of what went down, um, and good for them. Obviously, that nonverbal communication that was a struggle early has has really excelled. You know, it took Rob Gronkowski time to get himself into kind of quote-unquote football shape after a year-plus off. Um, and I think those receivers, it took time for them to understand what Tom Brady wanted versus, you know, what they were doing with Jameis Winston. And that's been a, a process. One thing that Tom Brady told me, and I've told you this, it was interesting. He said, early in the season, we couldn't do the extra work that I've been used to doing with my receivers for my whole career because it's so damn hot in Tampa that you have to, your receivers have to recuperate during during the other periods. They've got to drink water. They've got to, you know, hydrate. Otherwise, hammies cramp up, people cramp up. And so... He said, now that the weather has cooled off, I've really, in the last six weeks, been able to get that extra work in that I've always been used to, and it's really helped progress our offense. Um, Tampa is the ultimate boom or bust, Mike. Yeah. Because Bruce wants to run it just well enough to set up the play action. He doesn't really care about running it. And I believe you have to, especially come playoff time. But defensively, defensively, they could – create five turnovers, or they give up five big plays because Todd Bowles is coming after you. He's going to blitz you on first, second, and third down, and that's just the way he operates. So um, they're a a really boom – they're a boomer bust. I could see them them blowing out a team, and I could see them really struggling. Hmm. All right, we'll get to a question mark here, and and actually we got some developing – news to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this literally just came down here as, as we're doing this. 
Uh, the Cleveland Browns have announced that Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, two additional members of the coaching staff, and two players have tested positive for COVID-19 and will not be available for the wild card game against the Steelers on Saturday. Wow. Boy, the the Browns have just been decimated the last couple of weeks, right? So, I mean... You tell me, does this does this automatically el- eliminate them in your mind that they're going into a playoff game without a guy who many people feel should be the coach of the year? Yeah. I think that I think it definitely makes it tough. There's no question. <laughs> it was already going to be tough anyway having yeah. to beat Pittsburgh two weeks in a row. Right. But um yeah, I think it was going to be really tough. I I I think it definitely hurts their chances, but it doesn't eliminate them. They're a talented football team, man. They're good, and and you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield's actually played pretty well. Uh, they can run the ball, they can shorten the game, and they've got the ability as pass rushers. Where whether you know, I mean, it's uh, Miles Garrett or uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Olivier Vernon's had a great year. They they can get after the quarterback. So, you know, I give them a I give them a solid I give them a solid shot, even with that news. But that is tough news. All right. I got him. Um, all, right. all right, let's get to uh, some of these uh, questions. Again, for a chance to win the $75 uh, gift package from Sweet Sweat. Uh, this one comes in from Eric, who asks, with John Elway stepping down or up from his GM position, do you believe he will give full control of personnel to the new GM, or is he just trying to get his name out of the headlines? Uh, no, I think he'll, I think he'll, I mean, I think he'll advise, but I think he'll give the GM control. I just don't think he wants to do that job anymore. Um, you know, it, he's suffered a lot of criticism, especially from you. You hate John Elway, <laughs> man. Hey, all I've said over the last few years is that, you know, his, his, his job as general manager in the personnel department is what has put the Broncos in the state that they're in. And unfortunately, it's always been coaches that have been blamed. I think that he should have been blamed. So, yeah, in him coming out and saying yesterday that he wants a new set of eyes looking at the roster, I guess I was proven right. Well, yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I've been on the same track. It just hasn't been good enough. Uh, no, that's all. I mean, I, you know, um, it's not, it's not personal. It's not. There's no anger. There's. Not, it just hasn't been good enough. And, and this is a proud franchise, man. And they have been. I mean, they just have not been very good the last couple of years, and and they're no longer. Listen, man, they're not where they should be. The Denver Broncos should be a prominent franchise in the National Football League, and they're right now. They're not, and that's hurtful. Is it an attractive job? I think. Listen, I think that it's the Broncos, right? And if the Broncos are winning. If you can turn them around and build this roster and give them a legitimate opportunity to compete, it's the best job available. The issue is you've got ownership issues. There's going to be a new owner at some point. I have to believe that. Maybe sooner than later. Um, is that owner going to come in and you know fire everybody and change the carpet? Or is that owner going to give you a legitimate opportunity to kind of put your program in place? Um there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. Are you are you going to be tied to the hip of Vic Fangio long term? Is, you know, is the new owner going to come in and want to 
you know, get rid of that. I, I just think there's a lot that's going on there. But um, but if you can turn it around, like I, I believe on like gambling on myself. Like, you know, I left ESPN. I left the studio because I thought I could be good at games. Well, it's a gamble. What if I sucked? And some of you think I do, especially Giants fans. But, you know, I mean, it's a gamble. But I'm willing to gamble on myself. Like, I'd be willing to take the job. If, if somebody said, hey, Mark, would you be the general manager? Absolutely. Because I'll gamble on myself. I'll gamble on my work ethic. I'll gamble on my knowledge of the game. I'll gamble on I'll gamble on all that stuff. And I'll gamble on the fact that if a new owner comes in, I'll be able to say, I'll be able to sell me. There's, there's nobody that's going to advocate for me better than me. So, that said, I think it's an incredibly attractive job simply because of the history of the Denver Broncos. There's just a lot of work to be done. Uh, Argon says, Mark, what NFL coaching position do you think is the most desirable? NFL coaching position? That's open. Shoot, the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers still, I know they had defensive injuries, but you're going to get uh, James back. Derwin the, James. Derwin James back. Bosa. Bosa's back. Hopefully Melvin Ingram comes back. You've got, I mean, you've got talent on that roster. And Justin Herbert, like, set rookie records. He was great. So You've got Keenan Allen, Hunter Keenan Henry. Allen. Yeah. Austin Eckler. I mean, you you're you've got some loaded you got some loaded players. So yeah, I mean, I think the I think the L.A. Chargers are the are the team that shoot. If you could walk into there, you have a chance to you kind of have a chance to. I'm not I'm not comparing Herbert to to Aaron Rodgers, but I'm I'm like you have a chance to instantly win a lot of games. I think. Uh, this is from David, who asks and, and goes back to our Doug Peterson conversation. As a player, how would you have dealt? With your team tanking, I so would, if that was playing out on right, and you're on that team Sunday, I would be. How, be, how would you have reacted? I'd be pissed. I'd have gone out and done my job, and I'd play my ass off. I'd be pissed. Would you be giving your coach an earful? That's a. It's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I. You know, I. Um. I'd like to think. It, I guess it just depends. That's a tough situation. Yeah. I, I, I know because you played for Joe Gibbs and Mike Shanahan. You never really had to worry about that. Right. But I'm just, I'm just curious. If, I just, I just think I, I just. Think, I think you would have had. A, I, personally, knowing you, I think you would have had a hard time holding your tongue. I just think I would have been. I would have just been really disgusted with the organization. Now I would have towed the company line in public and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, I had tough conversations with with coaches before, you know. I mean, so I, yeah, I, I'm just disappointed, man. I'm disappointed that that that's. I'm just disappointed that that's what the Philadelphia Eagles chose to do because it's not right. All right, um, let's give one out. Let's give out a winner. You have a particular one? That, no, uh, I don't. No, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, you leave I'm it up to trust me. You. I'm going to trust you. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you what. I like the. Uh, the coaching position and the fact that you were so emphatic about the Chargers being that uh, okay. that desirable. So, yeah, let's go with uh, Argon. Argon? Argon. Okay. At uh, Embury 25. All right. I am going to reach out and uh, to Argon. And, Not um, to be confused with Aragon. Yeah. From Lord of the Rings fame. All right. So, here, here we go. Right now. Hey, man, send me your name and address, <laughs> and I'll send you 
a $75 gift package from Sweet Sweat. There you go, folks. Seeing how like the you sausage, saw, you you're saw, seeing how the sausage is made here. Bam. Just hit it. <laughs> there it is. There it is, people. Because he didn't put his name on here. He's Argon. He's Argon. Rog Hairs. Something. It's like Aaron Rodgers. Argon Rogers. Argon Rogers? Argon Rogers. Ah, who cares? He won. Really good job. <laughs> All right. For everybody involved in the Sneak Truth Podcast, for the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, we thank you so much. SweetSweat.com for all your exercise and uh, supplement needs. Also, Superbook, America's best bet. Check them out. That's Superbook. For Mike, myself, for Scott, we'll be back with you later in the week.